Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Monica, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about chapters four through six of the Titan's Curse. So, Monisa, did you ever figure out your supervillain name from last week? <laughs> yes, I thought I thought oh, about really? it for a moment. Yes, I thought about it for a moment. And I think it would be Monisa. And now hear me out. I think it should be Monisa, no last name, no middle name, kind of like Cher or Beyonce, Ooh. you know, just like, Ooh, okay, it's okay. just Monisa. Like, and then it's especially fun because I'd be talked about in the news and everyone would say my name wrong. Like, for example, for example, my boss, who has been my boss for two years, doesn't know how to say my name, and it's gotten to a point where I've corrected him so many times in the beginning, but it's been two years now. He would, he still says it wrong, so I just kind of go with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would think it would be really funny to be, like, just the absolute worst villain, like a super villain, and, like, CNN being like, Manasa is here, like, you know, just screwing <laughs> are, shit up. Are you up. getting interviewed? Are you getting interviewed on <laughs> CNN in this in this world? <laughs> no, they have to report my doings and, like, mm, my mm-hmm. evil deeds, so they're just going to say it wrong. And I feel, just, I feel like if they're, like, Manasa Akaraya, like, you know, full named it, it would be just, like, it's not as powerful as just mispronouncing my first name and then oh and then you have all of the like really gung-ho white liberals who are like she may be problematic but you can still say her name properly and then really have a hashtag (laughs) of like pronounce her name yeah even though i'm like murdering people i don't know what my super villain i'm guessing i'm murdering people as a super okay yeah i'm just like murdering people and they're like at least pronounce her name right like you know, this is just, like, so typical, like, erasing a woman of color's name and colonialism, and I'd be like, yes, exactly. They'd make, like, little video, little TikTok videos about, like, this is how you say it. Yeah. Don't be problematic in canceling celebrities who are, like, denouncing me but saying my name incorrectly. And then, also, that's, like, part of your villain origin story. You know? <laughs> it is! That they all say it wrong. Like, it'll just fuel your anger and your murdering <laughs> rampages. Incredible. I love this. What's yours? I'm sorry, I'm just imagining you. I'm thinking of Cher, because yes. you said Cher. And the scene in Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again, as we mm. know, my one of my favorite <laughs> movies, when she comes down the st- stairs and sings that Fernando song, I'm imagining no it just reason. as you. <laughs> yeah, for no- I'm just imagining your supervillain, like, as you're murdering a guy named Fernando, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that would be so fun if I incorporated musical. Like, I'm a supervillain, but mostly, like, <gasps> yes, there's, like, murder and all that stuff, but mostly because I sing... ABBA songs badly. Well, you target people who like have songs with names or the the names that are in a song. You know, like like Hey There, Delilah. You go after Delilahs. <laughs> that week, it's the genocide of the Delilahs. <laughs> Fernando is your share week. <laughs> this is getting very dark. <laughs> this is dark, or is this just a great plot for a movie? <laughs> I whenever I see supervillain, I think of Mega Mind. So I'm very much imagining mm. myself as like a Mega Mind esque villain. Okay, where, like, I like theatrics that. and like, you know, presentation is important. Yeah, I think it is. I think if you're gonna be a villain, it's important. the The idea I thought of, I feel like it's not it's not as fun. Um, <laughs> I, I went with like you know how how what's his face is the general. This is where this whole conversation started. Oh from. yeah. I was like. What do I do? And then I was like, you know what? If I was a supervillain, I would love to psychologically torture people and manipulate people. <laughs> I'm just going to own that. I think that would be my that would be my way. I'd, and so I would 
meddle with them so I could be the meddler. (laughs) (laughs) The meddler and Manasa? (laughs) (laughs) I will say that I was stewing on this and Mike came up with that name because apparently (laughs) I have no ideas ever. And I was, and he was like, because you like to meddle with people's relationships. And I was like, I do not. And then I was like, oh, I do kind of like to be like tangentially involved in drama, but like not personally. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, but if I was evil, I would meddle with them quite literally with their minds. I would stick my little magic fingers out and go into their little brains Make them I'm imagining you having like two sidekicks, like a gatekeeper and a gaslighter. <laughs> the gatekeeper and the gaslighter. <laughs> I just convince people that I just toy with their fears and I'm just like, oh yes. But I also love that idea because this means that you're like getting to know your, I guess, victims on a personal level. Level like you're really getting to understand them, exactly. understand their. Whereas I'm just like going off of a list of Delilahs and just going like, "Sorry, no, you're in the okay, list." Okay, and we can we can work together and like I can help you. I'll be like, "Okay, so Delilah's terrified of rats. Incorporate that into the music." <laughs> and, like, rats just falling. And just, just singing all the songs from Ratatouille. <laughs> Are there Anyone can cook. <laughs> just like that really bad French song. I think we have completely gotten off topic. You know what? I think that we have discovered a new life path. <laughs> Done with the podcast. We're actually going to start targeting people based on their names and songs. Then yes. My name's never been in a song. And yours hasn't either. Mean because either. they pronounce it wrong. <laughs> But only here, right? Like, only in America. Like, we're talking, like, I go to Mm. India and there's, like, so many of me. So I'm like, all right, okay. (laughs) They're everywhere. (laughs) Well, that also is nice. Because all the other monosos can just get stuck with having, you know, their name associated with the (laughs) supervillain. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I like that. All right, well... (laughs) Let's uh on that note, um I don't I don't know how to transition that nicely because the supervillain's not in any of these chapters. No. But you know, we're diving back into our favorite anti supervillain, aka A hero. hero. Oh my Percy. God. There we go. There's the, There we there's go. The nicely segue. done. Beautifully done. So we're going back to camp. Uh we have a new crew, and you know what that means? It means we're gonna get a new quest. Woo! Love a quest. Yes, we do. I mean, it, I mean, well, I'll get into it, but like, I love prophecies and I hate prophecies, and we can debate mm-hmm. this because we are on mm-hmm. opposite ends, aren't we? We always. I are. think so. I don't know. Yeah. I love a prophecy, <laughs> but you just said that you have both opinions, so yes. I'm not sure here. <laughs> right, chapter four, Talia. Torches New England. I think it deserves it. It's fine. Okay. The Hunters. Get and- rid of. Is that the stance <laughs> this podcast is taking? We're anti New England. <laughs> My parents would be very sad. That's where they lived for a long time. <laughs> That's where my dad went to school. Oh, yeah. nice. Wow. Okay. How dare you? I know. But it's fine. So the hunters and the gang quickly disassembled their really cool camp that they had set up in the, the woods with their silvery tents and all that crap. And they get ready to head over to Camp Half-Blood. Percy notes that Bianca has taken Nico aside and is probably explaining her decision to fully abandon him to go live with some strangers. And he rightfully thinks, he's like, that is such a self. He's like, I personally think that's very selfish. And I'm like, I also personally think that's very selfish. And he yeah. like notes that Nico, uh, who is a baby and is like only family and person he loves left in the world, is l- abandoning him, looks depressed, obviously. Mm-hmm. He goes up to Grover and Talia and mentions, like, hey, this is what happened, and by the way, we lost Bianca to the Hunters, just letting you know. (laughs) Oops, already lost her. 
And Talia mentions that the last time the hunters had visited camp, it hadn't gone over very well. And she personally believes that it's specifically Zoe's fault that Bianca has joined the hunters. But Grover is like often... Grover in these three chapters in particular is the worst. Like I know we see that every single episode. But like (laughs) he's... He's fanboying so hard. Like, I know he's essentially there for comic relief at this point, but he's fanboying so hard that he continuously forgets that he's being inappropriate. So he's like, I don't think that it would be bad. I think it'd be an honor to join the Hunters. And he, like, gets dreamy, and he's like, can you imagine? And Tully's like, I don't understand why you like them. They're the absolute worst. Also, like, Annabeth just disappeared. Yeah. He's like, but I love these women here. Like, it's creepy. <laughs> it's very creepy. Finally, the sun begins to rise, and Artemis, who has been waiting for her brother, their ride, finally is like, ah, oh, the sun, he's taking so long, he's finally here. Apollo arrives in a red convertible Maserati, which is, I think, a super fun take on the sun chariot. They do a very mm-hmm. good job. Rick does a very good job of, like, converting everything to modern terms. Converting the convertible. You're my first. You're first on my list to murder for supervillain. I just well, you're out of luck. There's no Aaron in songs, so we'll find it. I I will write one just (laughs) just so that I can murder you. All right. Apollo is described as being around 18 and looks like a typical, really handsome, outdoorsy guy. And Percy's really uneasy when he sees him because he's he reminds me of Luke, which I think is so funny because I don't think they actually have a lot in common except that they're both hot. And Luke Percy's is, I, like, <laughs> he's just so hot; it makes me uncomfortable. I think Percy's just like it reminds me of my crush on Luke, and mm-hmm. that makes me uncomfortable. And he's like, okay, but Apollo's a little bit taller than Luke. And has, like, a nicer smile than Luke. It doesn't have a grotesque scar on his face. Therefore, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Artemis asks her brother to take the hunters to camp. And he agrees. But, of course, he has to first burst into a really horrible haiku. Zoe explains that since Apollo has visited Japan, he's become obsessed with haikus. He was into limericks before, which is worse. But... I Fun don't know. fact, hmm. Trials of Apollo, every chapter starts with a haiku. <laughs> I really hope you look forward to it. It's very, it's good. I'm it's exciting. Yeah, I'm like mm-hmm. excited because I remember as a child thinking Apollo was really fun because he's just like mm-hmm. the perfect Timbo. And oh, I, like, right? I stand behind that. He's just so funny this entire, like he's a god, but he's just like, like can you imagine Ares was just like, I am a god, I'm all powerful and just chooses to be just the absolute just garbage can of the world yeah but apollo's like i'm a god i'm just going to make rhymes and sing off key and ruin everyone else's day but like in a fun way i love it love it apollo turns to talia and like this is the thing that we discussed where we don't i don't i hate when they mention how they're all related to each other because Mm -hmm. they're technically not like apollo's like you're my half sister and i was like i don't like that because it could totally be plausible that Talia, if she was to date someone, she could date someone from the Apollo camp. And that's technically her nephew? No, thank you. Oh, yikes. No. Too much incest, anyway. Mm-mm. Apollo then turns to Percy and just studies him. He's, like, fairly friendly to Talia, but just, like, very weird to Percy. And then just, like, ignores. He's like, oh, you're Percy. Anyway. It's because Percy's so hot, you know, it's the homoerotic <laughs> tension between the two of them. <laughs> um, Percy's 14, so no. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would be not a good move, Apollo. No. <laughs> yeah. mm. Also, the fact that, um, I think what, Apollo is the god of prophecies. Yeah, so it's, it's like clearly he knows. he knows. Apollo then turns to the car and realizes it's a two-seater, and he's like, huh, let me just quickly make this into a shuttle bus instead. And he, like, shamelessly flirts with the hunters who are so uncomfortable the entire time. And Artemis is like, stop it. Stop flirting with the hunters. Just get them to camp. and Stop being annoying. And Apollo is just, like, clearly, like, he's like, this is my sister and I love her. It's very Mm -hmm. cute. Mm -hmm. 
Artemis tells Zoe that she will be seeing her at the winter solstice, but until then, Zoe's in charge of the hunters. So he, like, stands up a little straighter and is like, I got it, but, like, thou got it, because for some reason she speaks in old English. I never understood mm-hmm. why. Yeah. <laughs> like, even when they explain her backstory, I'm like, she doesn't need to be speaking that way, though. But it, it, she, she could have updated. <laughs> she's been alive for a long, spoiler alert, she's been alive for a long time. I know yeah. that they're trying to make, like, the children who are reading this understand that she's been alive for a long time, but whatever. In the van, Apollo explains to Nico that because of the Romans, like, Nico has his mythology all straightened out. He's knows that Selene is the god of the moon and Helios is the god of the sun, so he's like, where are they? And mm-hmm. Apollo explains to them that he's taken over because the Romans essentially, he says, like, laid them off because they couldn't afford to build all the temples, which makes no sense. I think the the idea is, like, Romans copied whatever they wanted to from the Greek and the Egyptians. And yeah. in that, they kind of compartmentalized the gods' jobs. And he even explains the concept of, like, what the van means. Like, the van is supposed to be technically, in mythology, is the sun, bringing the sun around Nico's like but they've proven in science that the sun is a ball of hot gas and Apollo's like yes literally yes but like you have to think about it philosophically you have to think about it mythologically like if you think about it astronomically yeah it's a hot ball of gas but you got to open your mind up to other possibilities and Nico who is like a baby like at five at most like I think he's seven isn't he like like, (laughs) twelve Is he really? I, I think he is. Six or like he keeps getting younger in my head as I read this. He's like next time we read it, he's like an infant. <laughs> he's an infant, yeah, for sure. But he obviously doesn't understand a single thing Apollo's explaining to him. So he's like, okay, this is fact. The, the astronomers lied to us. Apollo then is like, who wants to drive the sun? And Talia is his choice to drive it. She's. Then uh, Percy takes the time to explain this to us. So she's physically like 14, which is very convenient for her to be the same age as um, Percy. Mm-hmm. But she's technically supposed to be 16. But what Chiron's kind of decided is that while she was the tree, she did age, but just at a much slower rate than her mortal body would have normally. Very, very convenient again. Mm-hmm. Talia is like really uncomfortable with the idea of driving. But Apollo doesn't seem to pick up or understand that at all. So he gently bullies her into driving the chariot van. And she has a horrible time and is clearly having a panic attack while driving. She drives horribly and is throwing everyone around. She's going too high. And then she goes too low to a small New England town. And had, like all the roofs and the trees start catching on fire. And everyone's like Apollo take the wheel please like kind of like Jesus take the wheel (laughs) but um Apollo's like yeah she's got it but he doesn't sound super confident and then she just guns it for um for camp and ends up crashing into the lake that's the end that's the end of the chapter yeah good for her chapter five I place an underwater phone call so this one starts with Percy and gang arriving at Camp Half-Blood, and Percy is surprised to see that it is a winter wonderland. There's snow, Christmas lights, more flickering lights, etc. Um, Zoe and the hunters peace out to their cabin because they want absolutely nothing to do with camp, and Grover tags along after them because, like we said, Grover is a major Artemis fanboy. And also d- seems to have forgotten that Annabeth disappeared. Only has eyes for these hunters now. Little weird. But okay, Grover. Percy and Talia are left to show a grumpy Nico around, and he is understandably grumpy because uh, his sister abandoned him, mm-hmm. and introduce him to Chiron and Mr. D. Grover returns and whisks Nico away to go watch an orientation video, which in my notes I just put a lot of question marks after. Because <laughs> I want to see it. I want to watch it. Which just seems like Chiron's excuse to get Nico away from them, because clearly most kids aren't shown the orientation video. I think Chiron just wants to talk to Tally and Percy. So once they're alone, Chiron asks them to tell him everything that happened. Chiron decides that they need to launch a search for Annabeth immediately, and Mr. D disagrees and says, quote, We have regrettably lost Annie Bell, and you have procured a small, annoying boy. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> 
like to replace her and i love that line that's how i'm like that's nico the small annoying boy (laughs) poor nico Percy goes off on Mr. D at this point, essentially calling him a selfish bastard, and then when Mr. D is definitely about to blast Percy to smithereens, Nico, our small annoying boy, Mm -hmm. bounces back into the room, nerding out about Chiron being a centaur, which is adorable, and refers to Dionysus as the wine dude, and says it's the lamest card in his game. I love that idea because like yeah me too as a child I was like Dionysus is the wine dude that's like all Mm -hmm. he does but like as I got older and you would start reading into the the cults of Dionysus and like how he's kind of like the god of madness as well oh yeah kind of like oh so he's absolutely crazy insane he's pretty powerful too Mm -hmm. he's just right now a little screwed at camp you know Chiron then cuts in, probably to keep Mr. D from just murdering all of them, and suggests that Percy and Talia go to the cabins and inform the others of Capture the Flag tomorrow with the hunters. Which is, again, Chiron with the idea of being like, hey, you know what these kids need? More injuries. (laughs) You know what this needs? Capture the flag to every problem. Like, he's like, I want to traumatize these children more. Capture the flag. There is a group of people staying at our camp that hates all of us. You know what? We're going to challenge them to capture the flag. (laughs) For bonding. Bonding, yeah. It's just so dumb. Like a bad leadership campaign. Like, you know those leadership summits that, like, work makes you go on and stuff? It's like, just, like, play capture the flag. And then you'll become best friends. Yeah, and it's, like, clearly not. These children use capture the flag to, like, get out all their rage. (laughs) (laughs) So then, on their way back to tell all the, all the other campers this, Percy and Talia have a nice moment where Talia expresses fear about both Luke and Annabeth being lost because, you know, Luke's lost to evilness and Annabeth is now quite literally lost. And Percy apologizes for being a dummy at Westover and offers to be co-captains during Capture the Flag, which is kind of a weird, like, bonding truce they have because they're both like, I guess it's because they're children of the big three, but, like, they're the only ones in their cabins. I don't know why they're leading the capture the flag, but... <laughs> All right. Main character energy. Talia, in turn, apologizes for snapping at Percy in the first chapter when he asked about her mom. She'd found out that her mom had died in L.A. and was a heavy drinker and overdosed. So it's a nice bonding moment for the two of them, bonding over trauma. We get to know a little about Talia. Sorry, um, since I just read this like 20 minutes ago, she didn't overdose. She apparently was drinking and she drunk, she drunkenly drove into something and oh, died. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a alcohol-related death. Which is then which is why... Very per- sad. Which is very sad, but then Percy's just like, oh, that's why you were so oh, tense yeah. in the car, and Talia then gets mad at him again. And Talia's like, yeah, that's why. (laughs) I'm not afraid of anything. (laughs) So then they go back and tell the few campers that are there. Also, there aren't that many campers there. And again, Chiron's like, let's fight all of these immortal women. (laughs) Not a good idea. So he tells them about Capture the Flag. Percy heads for his own cabin. And when there, he notices a brand new thing in the room. A stream of water trickling into a pool like a, like this mini water fountain and he immediately knows it's a gift from his dad. Thanks, Poseidon. Again, this is good <laughs> parenting. <laughs> uh, he gave him a two-letter note in the last book and now a fountain. He should win an award for doing the most. <laughs> Percy decides to send an iris message with the fountain and contacts Tyson at the Forges of the ti- Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops. <laughs> I thought you were going to the Forges of the Tyson and I was like, Yes. <laughs> They're just his forges. Tyson is super adorable. He tries to hug Percy through the mist. Percy asks Tyson if he's heard anything from their dad lately, and Tyson mentions that dad has been busy and worried about the war. Apparently, old sea spirits have been making trouble. Uh, Specifically, Tyson mentions a Gaios and Oceanus, who have been protecting Luke's boat and making it hard to find, because otherwise Poseidon would just blast it out of the water. Um, So... Monica, who are these two dudes <laughs> that so, I can't pronounce? I know, I was going to just like do my best. So 
Aegeos. Aegeos? I don't know. Aegeos is the god of storms. They sided with the Titans during the First War. Um, Oceanus is the Titan who is the father of the river gods and is essentially the the ocean god because he's described as the god of the river that encircles the world. Huh. So I was like, but he's supposed to be like freshwater specifically. I think it was supposed to be so that Poseidon can be like saltwater. Mm-hmm. But he didn't participate in the first war against the gods and the titans. And in fact, there's some literature saying that he sent his children to fight for Zeus the first time. Like his daughter, mm-hmm. the river Styx, and all of that stuff. So he's changed his mind in this one. Apparently. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then, after that, Tyson asks about Annabeth, which makes poor baby Percy's heartbreak, and he can't bring himself to tell Tyson that she got captured. Tyson, before signing off, tells Percy not to worry about Luke's boat. Apparently, it's heading for the Panama Canal, which is very far away. And Percy's confused by this and is like, what is Luke doing? Going on a little trip? We don't know. And that night after dinner, Percy then returns to his cabin all alone and sad, and of course, because demigods get no respite, has a dream. And it's a nightmare. He dreams about Annabeth on a hillside, shrouded in fog, no sky above, just a heavy, close darkness. Annabeth trudges up the hill all alone, and then she sees Luke. He's standing there in pain, crumpled on the ground. I guess he's not standing there. I don't know why I said the word standing. (laughs) Backtrack. He's there in pain, crumpled on the ground, darkness swirling all around him, begging Annabeth for help. Annabeth, being a good friend, helps him out, and of course, Luke tricks her. The darkness above Luke crumbles, and Annabeth grabs onto the ceiling above Luke. He breaks free, and then doesn't help Annabeth hold it, and leaves her there. Percy wakes up, knowing two things for sure, that Annabeth is in danger, and it is Luke's fault. Annabeth is the definition of, but I can change him. Oh, yeah. Luke, poor girl, never learns. It's that hubris. It's that she thinks she can fix him. She's a fixer. She's a fixer. But mom, I really love him. I can change him. God. (laughs) I swear. I mean, she's like 13. I can't really be mad at her. Yeah. I think I got most of my notes. I think my one point, like, I feel, I really feel for Percy in this chapter because it seems like He feels like he's the only one that's really concerned about Annabeth, other than Talia. Like, Mr. D won't do anything. Chiron wants to send out a group, but doesn't act immediately, um, because he's, can't, because Mr. D is in charge. Um, Grover only cares about the hunters. Like, and he he can't bring himself to tell Tyson, because he doesn't want Tyson to worry. It's just Mm -hmm. very sad and lonely. Yeah. And, like, you know, piggybacking off of the weirdness that is Grover, let's dive into chapter six. An old dead friend comes to visit. Okay, so I just have to, I have to set up this chapter well, because so much is happening at the beginning that I just like, as I was reading it, I was like, I have to discuss this with Aaron. So Percy's telling Grover about his dream, and meanwhile, while he's telling him about his, about his dream, this is happening, like, they're having breakfast the next morning, they're in the pavilion, and out in the woods, there are some woodland nymphs who are running around, and satyrs who are chasing them, and the game is, essentially, the nymphs have told the satyrs that if they can catch the nymphs, they will give them a kiss. Excuse me? <laughs> but the satyrs... He's, and Percy says, almost never end up catching the nymphs because right at the last moment, the nymph will change into a tree and the, the, the satyr will crash into it. So this is, the like backdrop. <laughs> this is the backdrop to their conversation of this terrifying nightmare that Percy has just had. Grover starts getting nervous as Percy's telling him his dream because he says that Zoe also had a nightmare and she was so freaked out by it, she, had, she went to the big house and demanded to talk to Chiron. And <laughs> this is just a peak Grover. Percy's like, oh, no. how, do you, how, did you, how did you know that? And Grover's like, oh, I'm just like, you know, sleeping. I've been sleeping outside of the hunter's cabin, just like waiting to hang out. And Percy's like, that's really creepy, dude. And Grover goes, no, no, they didn't even see me. When Zoe came out, I went and I hid behind a bush and just followed her. I was like, what is that's wrong even with creepier. you? creepier. <laughs> 
But he basically, because of that, he has this information. He hears that she was denied an audience with Chiron and that she thinks Artemis is trouble in trouble, like specifically kidnapped. Percy wonders aloud, like, who could be powerful enough to kidnap a god? And they wonder, like, what is Cronus's power status? Like, is he... They would probably notice if he had been fully formed, right? Like, someone would have told them. But they're also kind of confused about it. Percy says he's going to go talk to Zoe and see, like, what's going on. But before he does, Grover is like, wait, I have to tell you something. Which I was like, your timing is so bad, Grover. He shows Percy a brochure for the hunters. And he said that he found it in Annabeth's backpack. And it seemed like the hunters had been scouting her. So obviously Percy does not want to go talk to the hunters now. He's super upset. Mm-hmm. He's very mad and very lonely and just feeling like he's been betrayed by Annabeth but also can't be mad at her because she's missing. And normally he would go talk to her but he doesn't have anyone to talk to so he like wanders around for a bit and then finally just like maybe I can go talk to the Oracle because he sees Mr. D and everyone is outside of the, the big house. So he's like mm, sneak in there and talk to the Oracle. He goes to the old mummy oracle and asks how he can save Annabeth, but there's no response. So he just kind of wanders the room looking at all the artifacts. And these are artifacts that the heroes have brought back after their quests. Percy finds the scarf of Aphrodite that from the first book Annabeth had ripped off of him when they were in the tunnel of love. And Mm -hmm. he wonders, one, why she kept it. He thought she threw it away and also why she stashed it in the attic. He looks back at the oracle, oracle while he's holding the scarf and he kind of notices the oracle is like smiling at him and he gets so freaked out he just runs out of the room. That night, Percy notes at dinner that the hunters are looking very unhappy and they're huddled together talking very nervously. Zoe keeps glaring at Chiron and all the other hunters look like they've been crying and just look really upset. But don't worry, they're going to play capture the flag. <laughs> The solution to everything. <laughs> solution to everything. And it's surprising to Percy because even the Aphrodite kids, who he had noticed earlier were kind of arguing with the hunters in the corner, are joining their side. And Selena especially is, like, really mad. She's like, I'll prove to you love isn't worthless. Which I'm like, it's one thing to think, like, oh, I personally think love is not a choice that I would want or something that I want mm-hmm. in my life. It's another thing to go to the goddess of love and tell, like goddess of love's kid and be like hey love is worthless that sounds damaged bruh like that sounds like you need therapy like it's like on all of the whole like it's that's like i think what i don't like about the hunters and like some of the others attitude toward them Mm -hmm. it's like the hunters have a very much like love is not like like they try to project their views onto other people yeah. and same with like other people like like some of even percy's commentary like judging the hunters it's like okay they can make that choice for themselves we don't know their like sexual and romantic preferences yeah. let them choose but like vice versa like when they're like we are choosing maidenhood it's like you're not better than everyone no. because you're a virgin also like, like it's not that's not even a real thing <laughs> And you can you don't like get to judge other women for hanging out with boys. Like, come on, calm yeah. down. Yeah, and then the other people shouldn't judge that. It's just it's so much judgment going on here. <sighs> but now they've created some more enemies. So the Aphrodite kids have joined them. Normally, the Aphrodite kids just like watching and being cheerleaders, but they are ready mm-hmm. to like destroy the hunters. Talia tells Percy that she's going to take offense and he should take defense, which is uncomfortable for Percy, who was, like, about to suggest the opposite. And he's, like, Mm -hmm. a little bit like, are you sure? But he just kind of goes with the flow. Nico runs up with a helmet that's too big for his face and is just bouncing up and down, so excited to be a part of this. And Percy's like, hey, calm down. Remember, these are real swords. And he's like, oh, my God, I sound like my mother. Talia and Percy talk to their team, but they seem to have differing opinions. Like, Talia is like, make sure you guard it. But Percy's like, but if you can sneak off and get the flag. And Talia's like, no, don't leave your post. And Percy's like, yes, unless. Which is to a point that Talia just goes and lightly shocks Percy with her fingers. She's like, sends a little lightning bolt to him. And it's like, okay, moving on. They all split up and they get ready and they're following orders. Percy's on defense with Nico. Uh, Beckendorf and the Stoll brothers and he's like not nothing is happening he's just kind of chilling and he starts getting very antsy 
and Percy watches Vitaly's plan start to work, but he notices a group of five hunters kind of off in the corner. So he's like, oh, I got this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this for us. So he leaves the, the Soul Brothers, Beckendorf and Nico, to guard the flag and runs to the hunters. And in a scruffle, he ends up seeing that Zoe has stolen a, a scruffle. Zoe has... Isn't it scuffle? Is it scruffle or... What, what did you say? I think... I don't... I think it's scuffle, but I like scruffle better. Am, am, what am I saying? You said scruffle. That's what, yes. And what is the word? I'm hearing... Scuffle. I'm hearing the same word. Scruffle and scuffle? There's no R. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like scruffle. I think it's cute. It makes it sound scruffle. like more fun. Scruffle. Oh, okay. No, scruffle. No, sc- okay. Like scruffle. There's a little scruffle. <laughs> There's a little scruffle in the corner. And Percy and a horrified Talia see Zoe running off with their flag, having won the game for the Hunters, which is hilarious to me. Like, the immortal group of women who spend every waking moment of all of eternity practicing hunting for things has hunted their flag and surprisingly won. Like, what a surprise. What a surprise. They have literally decades of experience on these kids, but that's fine. Talia is furious and at Percy for leaving his post and thinking he can go just like take the game, even though she was like bossing him around. And in her yelling at Percy, she quote unquote accidentally shocks him. I think she did accidentally shock him in her anger and sends him flying back into the water. While she's getting angry and she's yelling, Everyone else around her is like cowering and backing away. And I think it's funny because Percy, who then has had enough, he's like, I've been shat on all day. And he's like, definitely still trying to process this Annabeth news. Blast. It's like, flies back into water. So he blasts Talia with a huge gust of water. And he's like, oh, that was also an accident. And then the two most powerful (laughs) demigods in the world are now in each other's faces, calling each other's names. And it's so funny because Talia's like, you suck seaweed brain. And Percy's like, you know what? Only Annabeth is allowed to call me seaweed brain. So he calls her pine cone face. Which (laughs) I think is so funny because seaweed brain is like, okay, that's like clever because you're the son of Poseidon and also you're a little bit dumb and like it was kind of a name low-key made out of endearment. So is it really an insult? But Percy's like, hey, remember the most traumatic moment in your life when you got literally, you died and literally had to be turned into a tree? I'm going to remind you of that and call you pine cone face. And it's not even like a good insult. No, it's like the worst insult because it's mean, but it's also just not good. It's not clever. Like if someone was like, hey, pine cone face to me, I'd be like, excuse me? (laughs) I would laugh. I'd I'd laugh. But since they're mad, obviously it's not going over very well. Percy's like literally making like a huge storm with his hands and Talia is like creating electricity and they're like both about to face off when suddenly, like Chiron's begging. He's like, please, you guys stop. Because he can't put himself in the middle because they're too powerful. But at the same time, he's like trying to be a parent in this situation, even though he's the one who said (laughs) capture the flag was a good idea. And so he's just like begging them to stop. And the only reason they do is they see... Percy sees something in the woods coming towards them and everyone freezes because it's the oracle. She's slowly shuffling because she's like a mummy towards them, like a, like in the fog and through the woods. And it looks at Percy for a second and then turns to Zoe and is like, hey, ask me a question. And Zoe asks her, what do I have to do in order to help my goddess? And the oracle speaks her in, to her in a stupid riddle prophecy, and I'm going to read it. <clears throat> Five shall go west to the goddess in chains. One shall be lost in the land without rain. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. Campers and hunters combined prevail. The titan's curse must one withstand, and one shall perish by a parent's hand. And then this mummy's like, okay, like turns off like a toy and just goes and sits on a rock. And that's and that's the nice. end. And I love I that. have a couple things to say. I love I just like a big trope that I love is when two very powerful people who have been friendly this entire like they're friendly or they're getting along with it square off when they're mad like they get each other like 
going and then they fight. I think it's like, it's my favorite. When things are happening. I love it. Powerful things are happening around them. They don't realize it because they're so mad, but they're evenly matched. I know in Heroes of, not Heroes of, one of the Heroes of Olympus books, it happens mm-hmm. between Jason and Percy, but like on accident because someone else is controlling them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. But it was not as good. It just felt stupid. I was like, well, I also was just no. mad that Jason existed as a concept. So I was like, shut up, weird Roman boy. So it didn't do it for me. But this I love. I was like, we were deprived of this. I wanted this so many more books. But, you know, we got Jason instead of Talia. Like, I love the Percy-Talia tension. Mm-hmm. I think it it's really good. And it's just like... We were deprived of it. I love this moment, though. Because I love, you know, you got two people with, like, some emotional anger control issues. Yeah. (laughs) Going at it. I love it. And you know the only reason they're going at it is normally Annabeth would be there to, like, Mm de-escalate. Because she's not, it's allowing tensions to rise. And I love it Mm -hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And I also love the idea that it probably took the Oracle all day to get to the woods. <laughs> she's just been shuffling so slowly, like the entire Capture the Flag game. She's just like, all right, almost there. We're getting there. And then goes to Zoe and just says, please, just ask me a question. I want to give you information <laughs> so badly. I love, too, that, like, did she do it out of spite? Like, because Percy asked her. <laughs> For info, and then she's like, you know what? I'm going to give Zoe info. I'm going to shuffle all day just to give this other person info in front of Percy. Because she does a whole thing where she looks at Percy, like kind of like how Apollo did, and then turns to mm-hmm. Zoe. She's like, make sure that you're seeing me. Tell mm-hmm. someone else a prophecy that you asked for. I was going to rant. The Oracle's sassy. She's sassy. Well, I mean, I was going to rant about um, prophecies because... I love the idea of a prophecy because, like, the idea that, like, it's written in stone no matter what happens, no matter what direction you take, it's going to fulfill itself. And that you have kind of a glimpse of what the future might hold. Also, I love instructions. Like, <laughs> but I also don't have the attention span for a, for a riddle. Might as well just not tell me it if it's going to be stupid. But also, my problem with prophecies <laughs> is, like, everyone always in books gets a prophecy and then doesn't abide by it or tries to change it i'm like that's Mm. the point of the greek mythology in general the fates are like you can't outrun your destiny or your fate it's a whole point and and like i know what's going to happen in the next couple chapters i don't remember exactly when is that the hunters are going to be despite line campers and hunters combined prevail they're going to be like well the hunters have to go alone and it's so frustrating. Yeah. I'm like, just read the instructions. They're right there. I know. And I like, I love the idea that like someone's like has to be writing this down because if someone's like speak, I would be so overwhelmed by this mummy coming and shuffling over to me. I would have forgotten every single word that she oh, said. Yeah. I'm always impressed when Percy can recite the prophecy. I'm like, I would. It would have gone out of my brain immediately. Instantly. Yeah. I would have been, like, something about five, like, in West. I know there's Titan's Curse in there because it's the title of the book, but, like, that'd be very me breaking the fourth wall, so. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Alrighty, well, I got a few lightning bolt round questions for Mm -hmm. you. Number one, would slash could you drive Apollo's sun chariot? I don't know about could, but I would. I would, yeah. I would drive it. It'd have to be, I would make it into, like, a, like a Maserati again, I think. Just because, like, if it's going to be on fire, it should be something cool, not a shuttle bus. Mm-hmm. Also, easier mm-hmm. to park. And um, I would definitely drive poorly because I feel like the height thing would throw me off. But I would have so much mm-hmm. fun with it. Also, I'd just, like, suddenly put it in reverse just to screw with someone. I'd, like, be driving over their house and they're like, oh, it's morning. And I'd put it in reverse and be like, oh, good night. <laughs> <laughs> an argument for keeping it as a bus though you can make it look like the magic school bus that is what i've always thought i like reread this for the first time in a while and i was like oh it's not a school in my head it was always like either a minivan it was or school in bus. Too. yeah and it's like a shuttle bus and i was like Ugh. boring Ugh. boring yeah i would do it um i believe that i could do it i think personally i think i'm a great driver 
I once asked before my sister could drive, I was like, who's the best driver in the family? She said, me. <laughs> Better than both my parents. I'm the best driver so, ever. I'm a great driver. So this is why you wouldn't abandon her for the hunters, because she compliments you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because she... She, she feeds she your he- ego. I was like, she, she feeds into my hubris. <laughs> okay. Glad, glad we'd take over. We'd just be like, bye, Apollo. We got this. And, okay. If you could barge into the Oracle's little little place and ask it a question, would you? And what would you ask? <clears throat> Part of me wants to say yes, because I love prophecies. Like, I love the idea of prophecies. Mm-hmm. But, oh, hmm. okay, so... You'd probably hate. No, I would hate you. it, but I'd also forget You'd be it. Like that's your best. <laughs> I was like, you chose that rhyme. Like I would have chosen a different mm-hmm. one, yeah. But I would have immediately <laughs> forgotten it, so it doesn't really even matter. Yeah. True. Ah, uh, what would I ask though? That's a. I'd probably just ask right? like, what does my future hold? Because then, even if it's vague, mm. it, it, it'd be more fun. I think. Like, I would ask a prophecy simply so that I could come over to your house and be like, hey, this is the prophecy. So you and I could just later, as things get ticked off, being like, oh, we knew it, even though we didn't know it. Because I think it would be really fun. (laughs) To be like, I knew that was coming. Prophecy. Yeah, I think I'd just generically be like, what you got for me? (laughs) But then, then, though, if it said nothing, I'd get really (laughs) mad and I'd be like, excuse me? I would get mad at it if it told if it didn't have anything to say to me, and I'd be like, "Well, that's a broken oracle, <laughs> obviously." I also don't want it to predict my death or something like that. I would rather not oh, know because, like, I obviously would be powerless to stop it because that's the whole point. Just be anxious yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I because it would whatever it says has to come yeah. true. So I wouldn't want it to predict. I would not ask about my no. death. Mm-hmm. A story time, kind of in the same vein. Um, so a couple years ago, not a couple years, it's been like a long time. You and remember when you and I went to that psychic? <laughs> yes. Um, so that psychic had absolutely nothing to really tell me, but that psychic told me that my they were like my your my your family is going to come into money or something like that, and I was like, oh my brother mm-hmm. has just started working because we were in high school so I was like I'm not gonna be making money and so I was like my brother's just started working and she's like no not that way like property your family's gonna get property mm. and I was like okay oh. and I forgot about it I told my cousins about it because they thought it was really fun that I had gone to a psychic because it's banned in my family because everyone really believes mm. it uh, I had an uncle who mm-hmm. went to a psychic they said he was going to die at 25, so the entire 25th year of his life, his mom would like wouldn't let him out of the house. He's still alive. <laughs> he's he's like in his 70s. Good, good yeah. for him. Um, he, he beat, beat the, the prophecy. prophecy. But um, then the woman who raised my father passed away, and suddenly we got like, and the the property that she was living on was given to the the boys. And it was mm-hmm. so funny because I was like, oh, I forgot about it. And then every single one of my cousins messaged me and was like, the psychic knew. And I had forgotten <laughs> about the, the psychic, too. Not going to lie, that psychic, we went we went to for our friend's, like, 18th birthday in high yeah. school. And because that's the kind of people It wasn't we even were, 18. We like, she must have been, like, was it 16? 16. I think it was, it was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay throwback um that i do remember another one that they said um to you because you took because we both saw the same person Mm -hmm. there were like two ladies there and i went in i was i think i was one of the first and then you went immediately after me and the the person apparently said to you was like oh you have a creative connection with the girl before oh yeah (laughs) because we used to uh, write stories really bad books together (laughs) but now it could maybe it was this she was (gasps) sensing you know you never, you never know. know. You never know. Yeah. Mm. She also mm. told me that I would find love in August, and I couldn't tell oh, if that yeah. was like in that August or if it was August, like a name or like a place oh. called August. And it was so funny because, like, when I was in college, I was at a party and I was just like dancing, having a good time. And there's this one boy who's just the absolute worst, was following me around, and he was just like saying like you know really gross things, and I was just like. 
Classic. And he's like, hi, my name is August. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's him. I know. It's I just one. like immediately was like back to being 16. I must have been older. Maybe it was like 17 or something. Being that age and having this woman predict my life. And I was like, no, 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 not you. <laughs> <laughs> no, not you. It's August. I found him. <laughs> he's like, I know it's a stupid well, name. And I was like, I hate your name. And I like, ran away. You're like, stay away from me. The psychic has spoken. (laughs) So I guess if we went, I guess we have been to an oracle and I don't remember actually asking her anything specifically. I was like 16. It was probably something stupid if I asked her anything. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And my last question. So if we were co-captains of a Capture the Flag team against the Hunters, how would it go? And why would we obviously win? I think we would, um, I've been inspired, obviously we would, uh, you would break into song <laughs> and target the name, whoever's names we know. I would mis- manipulate them psychologically. So we both would just declare our love for them. <gasps> we would get them to fall in love with us. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be so yeah. good. <laughs> this- that's how we this would win very long with our game. feminine, <laughs> our feminine charm and wiles. It the game is a long con. The, the the capture the flag game is like the end of the game. You know, like we've been working on this for for months, years. years. <laughs> Fall in love. with And us. so when the moment comes, they have to denounce being hunters because they've fallen in love. Yeah. With us. Well, love that. Love it. We would, uh, reality, we would lose so badly. the hunters. But, you know. We don't have <laughs> the physical aspects. We don't the have magic. The truth is, magic. we would fall in love with them. <laughs> oh, so fast. And then they would stomp on Are us. you kidding me? Zoe would show up with her bow and her, like, weird oh. circlet crown thing. And I'd be like, the princess of my dreams and simply like, pass away. Yeah. Yep. And then we, yeah, that's what would actually happen. <laughs> Mm. all right well next we've reached the end of this episode (laughs) this strange long episode about mostly just about us being evil villains (laughs) um next time we are going to be doing chapters seven through nine which means you know it's quest time but will percy himself be involved there's no boys allowed on this quest can you imagine? He's just like the rest of the book is him just at camp. I wish. Like, that would be hilarious. Hearing peripherally like what's happening on the quest. And just like stewing the whole time, being angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on social media. We're on literally everything at Camp Half Pod. Yep. And if you have any other inquiries, questions, stories, you can email them to us, camphalfpod at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing and all this unbelievable chaos, make sure you rate <laughs> and review and subscribe to yeah. this podcast Yay. on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I don't. If you find another way to rate it, go for it. Yeah, as long as you're being nice. Just Yelp us, you know, like this location, <laughs> incredible. At Camp Half Blood, Camp <laughs> Half Pod. <laughs> there we go. All right, see you next time. <laughs>